AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Some things in the grain markets aren't missed until they are gone. No, corn demand is not gone, but it's taken a heck of a hit from just a couple of years ago. We'll talk about getting market share back. And it's Wednesday. That means it's time for this week's Farmer Forum. Live from the March to the Summit of Hump Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Bob Hemisath from the National Corn Growers Association and Farmers for Free Trade. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Kevin Papp and Kevin Bogarts. Directly following the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. And now, welcome back, the host of AgriTalk. Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, buddy, how you doing, man? Bro, so glad to have you back. Yeah. I was afraid the Astronaut Academy bad. had uh, had wooed you away after that weird text <laughs> message. You know, it said simply, the planet Earth is blue and there's nothing I can do. I didn't know what to make of it, Chip. Right, right. That, um, some, I think somebody may have been sending you uh, song lyrics or something. I don't know. That could be. That could, could be. be. Could we missed be. you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad... Glad to be back. Glad to be back. A uh, little bit of a break before we get into this week, finish up, and uh, another big week next week. We we will be down in Houston yeah. for the Commodity Classic. Uh, two and a half big days of coverage coming the second half of next week from Houston, so we're really looking forward to that. But first, mm-hmm. we've got to finish up this week, and it's looking really good. Mm-hmm. With Bob mm-hmm. Hemisath coming in here, new president at Farmers for Free Trade. Got to find out how that meshes with what he's doing and has been doing at uh, National uh, Corn Growers Association. And then uh, the Farmer Forum. We've got Dennis Bogards and Kevin Papp. And Kevin, I believe, is going to be taking a break from um, from a, a day at the State House. Up in Minnesota. Wow. To join us. Yeah. To talk to us? Yeah. So we'll wow. find out what's going on and uh and what they are talking about at the State House up in uh up in Minnesota. And of course always enjoy our conversations with Dennis as well. All right, buddy, mm-hmm. let's get to the news. What do you got? Well, let's start here. For the fourth consecutive week, the nation's average price of gasoline has gone up, rising 8.7 cents from a week ago to $3.26 per gallon. The national average is up 16.7 cents from a month ago, but 11.6 cents per gallon lower than a year ago. The national average diesel price increased 10 cents last week and stands at $4.09 per gallon. That's 38 cents lower than one year ago. I'll get some fresh numbers late tomorrow afternoon from USDA on Midwestern diesel prices. We've seen farm diesel uh, just start to perk up just a little bit, a few cents higher in USDA's last report. Yeah, uh, my wife, every time that we that uh, the, the price goes up at the convenience <laughs> station in town, yeah. she's asked, why? What's going on? What's uh-huh. going on? And this is one of those times where I'm just like, 
you know, I really don't know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. clue? Why is this thing, uh, the, the strength kind of persistent? A little bit of uh, pre-summer maintenance. So there have been some shutdowns in refineries. Okay. They're trying to catch up to make those summer blends. I think that's where we're sitting right now. So gotcha. it's probably just temporary, hopefully just temporary rise yeah. in fuel prices. USDA data reveals that in 2022, consumers spent 11.3% of disposable income on food. That nears the 1991 peak of 11.4%. Food companies face challenges with elevated costs for commodities, including sugar, cocoa, beef, and French fries. Chips mm. are French fries a commodity? I'm not sure. <laughs> if those I, count. I, 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 I think they are. I if think they, they are, are, I'm going yeah. long, baby. I'm, you're going long, French fries. <laughs> but this is what we've been talking about all along. Yeah. And, and it, it, actually, I'm surprised that we're not at a new record. I thought that's where we were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Chip Renewable Fuels Association President Jeff Cooper emphasized the pivotal role of the Biden administration's decisions regarding ethanol's future. This includes determining the carbon footprint model for sustainable aviation fuel, environmental protection agencies, tailpipe emission standards, and approval of year-round E15 use. Yeah, there was some news earlier this week that seems to be a little bit premature. It was uh, it, it came from Reuters. And it, it talked about some things that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. We need to get the final ruling on this GREET model. It's supposed to be done by March 15th. Mm-hmm. Well, congressional failure to craft a new budget for fiscal year 2024, speaking of supposed to be done yeah. by April 30, will trigger a 1% across-the-board spending cut. Democrats say they will not back a stopgap bill beyond that date. Axios reports behind closed doors, House Republicans have shifted from optimism to anticipating a government shutdown, signaling a tough decision ahead for House Speaker Mike Johnson. I can't wait to talk to Wiesmeyer about this on Friday. Well, a newly released life cycle assessment found the U.S. soybean industry's global warming potential profile decreased considerably in 2021. United Soybean Board CEO Lucas Lynch says, quote, this body of research helps farmers better assess and understand soy's contribution to the environmental impacts throughout the life cycle of the entire soybean value chain. Chip, the study found the soybean industry's carbon footprint was diminished in 2021 for all U.S. soy commodities compared to 2015. That includes a 19% decrease for U.S. soybeans themselves. Walgreens is getting the boot from the 30-stock Dow Jones Industrial Average. Amazon will take its place. The pharmacy chain stock is down 40% in a year. And Polish farmers blocked much of Ukraine's western border in protest. Uh, more on this later, Chip. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Margie Ecclecamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. Okay. Talk to me about approaching the carbon markets differently. What can we do differently in 2024 than in 22 and 23? Yeah, so we've got estimates that about 2% of farmers are currently taking part in carbon market enrollment, which has some folks asking, have we reached a plateau? And I recently caught up with Truterra President Jamie Leifker. Now, he's got a goal with his team to enroll 2 million acres via their network of 60 True Terra retailers here in the next year. And he really outlined five ways that they're going to approach carbon different 
to perhaps break it out of its current plateau. And one is to cur encourage that retail market to prioritize carbon markets. Now they're seeing a 20% growth in the number of retailers offering Truterra markets every year. And they're hoping that that can help with an overall swell. Two, they're asking their retailers to really integrate carbon into their business. So not just silo sustainability off to the side, but really make it a part of all of their business sectors and how they approach farmers. Three, and I know, Chip, we've talked about it a lot, easy to say, hard to do, and that is make the data lift easier. Yeah. Farm data is one of those things that folks try to wrangle, try to get their arms around, and try to elevate in terms of its actual value, and it's necessary for these carbon markets. Four is recognize the high retention rates. Sure, we may be at a low overall adoption, but those folks who sign on, over 90% sign on again for the next year and increase their participation. And number five, overall, buy into the long-term outlook and what is possible with carbon markets. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff, Margie. Really good. Um, we can get more on that at www.thedailyscoop.com. Thedailyscoop.com. Thank you, Margie. Thank you, Chip. All right. Uh, Coming up next, we got Bob Hemesath. He is an NCGA board member and president of Farmers for Free Trade. He's next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Bob Hammesath is a longtime friend of AgriTalk and of my longtime friend. Uh, and he is uh, an NCGA board member and president, a new president, of Farmers for Free Trade. Bob, have I got that right? NCGA board member and new president of Farmers for Free Trade, correct? Yeah, yep, you got that correct, Chip. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad that you are here. So Farmers for Free Trade, it's been around for a while, but tell us about the organization and, and how the how NCGA and Farmers for Free Trade work together. Well, yeah, as you said, Farmers for Free Trade was started in 2017 and basically was started um, because of the uh, the fear of leaving NAFTA and uh, the, all those things that were going on and was just a, a, a an effort 
uh, it's a, actually, it's an organization, nonprofit, bipartisan, mm -hmm. that's comprised of farmers, ranchers, and ag business and ag organizations to help spread the message about the importance of trade, trade agreements, and how important that is to us as a country, as well as for farmers in general. Okay. And so, so I actually, NCGA is one of the, the uh, founding members of Farmers for Free Trade. And so I was asked three years ago to serve on the board of Farmers for Free Trade, representing the National Corn Growers Association. So uh, I've been on for three years and now I am, was elected president last month. Excellent. So got, yeah. Excellent. So, what, what, what's got you most excited about this opportunity, Bob? Uh, I think uh, I think it's one of those for me, Chip. It's uh, always been kind of a, a trade person, kind of been inter mm -hmm. always interested in trade. Whether that's as you and I have talked over the years, the importance of trade, the importance of infra infrastructure, all those things. Whether it's a river, all those kind of things. But for me, right now is is uh, there's a, we're at kind of a really, and it started I think back in the last presidential election. I know it did, or actually the previous presidential election in 2016, yeah. uh, trade has gotten a bad rap in the United States. Um, and my goal is to to help get the message out that trade is important, very important to agriculture, but it's very important to the U.S. in general, to our economy, to our um, our uh, just our overall presence in the world, our national security, um, and and honestly, uh, we need to get that message back out. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of concern that uh, we feel trade isn't necessarily as important as as we know as we in agriculture know it is. So for me, it's it's about spreading that message and and urging our legislators and our uh, trade negotiators and our presidential. And the administration, our presidential candidates, how important it is that we uh, we need to start moving on getting some trade agreements done. Yeah, yeah, we have. Boy, I'm 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 with you on that. Which takes me to a question that I've got further down the the list here, but I'm going to jump straight down to it. Uh, do you feel like the Biden administration? is even engaged in ag trade uh yeah they, they are engaged uh they aren't they aren't engaged at the level that we'd like to see them at i guess i'll put it that way um they are working at some at at some efforts to uh to open some markets um they they have a different uh mindset when it comes to traditional um free trade yeah. agreements and and uh, that to me is a little um, I I wish I could flesh that out a little bit more and understand that a little bit better, but they don't seem to really move very far on that either. So um, for me, it's it's frustrating in in their, their trade agenda, as we've all been told, is 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 considered job centric, and and they mean by the what they mean by that is you know protecting jobs here that we don't ship them overseas. Okay, yeah. that that sounds great. I get that. I have no problem with that, but. What they don't understand is, is that right now um, we're losing out across the world in ag trade yeah. and, and we're going to lose jobs by doing that. And and there's a hundred thousand jobs that are, are that can be directly contributed to ag and ag products uh, exports. 
So when we talk about job centric, what better way is there to continue to move more products that we have abundance of here overseas through trade agreements? And, and to me, that's the message that I send back to them when they, when they want to have this conversation. Yep. Yep. Okay, Bob. So when I first saw this announcement earlier this month, it, it, I I thought, oh my goodness gracious, what are you getting yourself into here? Because, because <laughs> I ask myself that sometimes too, okay. Jeff. <laughs> because I I I think all the way back to when Farmers for Free Trade was was um, uh, was started, yep. and the big push there, as you mentioned, the Trump administration was taking some different tactics toward yep. trade. We had uh, 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 the teardown and rebuild of NAFTA yep. to USMCA. Uh, we had a trade war, very bluntly. We had a trade war mm-hmm. with China. And soybean farmers in particular said, listen, we're going to participate in this thing. We'll take a punch or two. Just don't break a leg. Okay? Don't break a leg mm-hmm. out of this. Well, mm-hmm. they broke a leg. They broke another <laughs> leg. It, it Soybean farmers got beat up in that trade war. Mm-hmm. The Trump mm-hmm. administration, mm-hmm. you know, quote, unquote, made good with those market facilitation payments. But that's not how we want to function. And no. now, and now, Bob. Every time, every time somebody asks candidate Trump a question about how he plans to deal with China, it it seems that he feels the need to escalate from a 10% to a 60, the potential for a 6, 0% tariff on anything coming in from China. How... How do we work to with, with the administration if Trump does win this fall? You know, Chip, I think it's I think it's it's some of the same things we've done in the past, and it is, and that is, is that you have to have those conversations of what the ramifications of those things that they're proposing, those tariffs do, and and also follow up with that with. We all know that when and we saw we saw it the last trade war, you know, mm-hmm. we put tariffs on, they put countervailing duties on, and and we play chess that way, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Um for we have to we have to continue to voice that these we understand the things you're trying to do with China, but let's let's to us there's a better way to do it. And that's mm-hmm. that's about engaging the rest of your trade. And that's where you know uh, we, we missed the boat when we when we uh, decided that we weren't going to pursue trade agreements. Uh, we're, we're yeah multilateral. Let's put it that way. And, and my point, and, and and I think we need to, from my standpoint, if we engage with those, we work on getting into those trade agreements. We move forward as a as a unified uh, group of nations, however yeah. that may be. Yeah. And, and that's how you put pressure on the Chinas of the world. Yes. And that's how you say, okay, China, you want to participate. These are the things you need to do. Yeah. And and yeah. if you want to be part of this, this is where we're at. 
Yeah. Um, we all saw, we all saw what the, you know, I, I, I always get a, a kind of a chuckle and it's, and I shouldn't really laugh, but I do. Oh, did we lose Bob? Got awful quiet for a sec there. It Chip. did. Yeah, it did. It got awful quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So looks like we, looks like we might have, have lost Bob, Bob. Uh, Good answers, though. My goodness. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, now, I know that there are some that really believe the way that you get to China is through the tariffs. Well, I'm telling you, tariffs are, it's it's another consumer tax. Mm-hmm. It's another consumer tax on anything. On I mean, on anything that's coming in to the u.s from china and to deal with that in in the fashion that uh that trump did during his administration it was uh and again some will argue that this was needed completely disruptive but here we are all these years later and we're still struggling to get back market share. Some of that market share was lost because of a trade war. We encouraged other production in other countries, i.e. Brazil. So it is a tough, tough balancing act. We got the Farmer Forum next. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Beige, um, there's no fun anymore. Hasn't been for a while, but this slide that we've got going in corn kind of feels like we're accelerating things today. Yeah, pretty discouraging morning in trade, Chip. Yep. Uh, new contract lows in the corn market. Uh, soybeans, they they had uh, corrective gains the past two days. We've given back most of that here at mid-morning. And, and uh, just broad-based, uh, you know, not only seeing the corn and soybean markets lower, but uh, the rest of the soy complex, soy meal, soy oil, they're also under moderate pressure here. And then the wheat uh, markets uh, being led lower by HRW contracts, but SRW and spring wheat futures also actively participating to the downside. Does it feel like a give-up trade has happened yet, a capitulation? Oh, I don't know. I I think that kind of the attitude is out there that uh, maybe it it just has – I think usually the capitulation trades are big sell-offs. Yeah. And so we're not seeing the big sell-offs yet. This has just been a methodical bleed in the corn market in particular, and it's it's discouraging. But we probably need one of those big days with double-digit declines or something like that. Yeah, it's been very organized, no doubt about it. Take us over to the livestock trade. Well, better uh, price action in the uh, cattle complex. Uh, Both live cattle and feeder cattle are trading to the upside. Now, um, I talked about it yesterday, but, uh, you know, we probably have a long wait for active cash cattle trade. Uh, Packers bought a lot of cattle the past two weeks, so their needs are are likely reduced, especially with their slaughter runs backed off. Uh, And then we have the cattle on feed report Friday afternoon, so all signs point to uh, uh, a, a lengthy cash negotiations. But we are trading to the upside in both of those markets, mixed in hog futures here at mid-morning. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad you're with us. Big thanks to Bob Hemesath for joining us in the last segment. Uh, we'll have mom. We'll talk some more trade issues in the future. Right now, it is time for the Farmer Forum. We've got Dennis Bogards down in South Central Iowa. How you doing, Dennis? Hey, doing really good. Enjoying this beautiful weather we're having. So, yeah, all the way down there in in you know South I eighty. I bet you got robins all over the place, don't you? <laughs> I was walking around down by the river yesterday, looking at a couple things, and the birds were chirping. It felt like it was a beautiful April afternoon. So, yeah, <laughs> crazy. It is absolutely yep. nuts. Yeah, yeah. All right, Kevin Papp up in Minnesota. Kevin, welcome back to the Farmer Forum, buddy. How are you? Doing very well. The sun is shining on our state capitol dome. All right. We're going to talk more about what you are doing there at uh, the state capitol here in just a little bit. Okay, guys, we were just talking with Bob Hammesath. He's a board member of NCGA, new president of the Farmer's for free trade. Uh, I want to start there because it's like I said at the start of the show. Sometimes in the ag markets, you don't realize how valuable something is until they're gone. Corn exports aren't gone. They're just cut back dramatically from where we were a couple of years ago. Bean exports, struggling. So, we, we are getting a reminder of just how important the export markets are to the grains. And, Dennis, right now, we got to fight like heck to get some export share back, especially for corn, don't we? Yeah, definitely, both both corn and beans. I mean, that that is such a integral part of the pricing and, and what goes on when the market for us and you know we we grow way too much corn to to uh you know grind it all in the united states and it's just it's got to get exported and and those are important markets and um many years ago when i was on the you know american soybean association board traveled overseas and and talked to customers and and uh, overseas and you know it's a lot of times it was you know they they tried to use the price and the price and uh, quality issues they thought yeah. they had but you know when i was there we were looking at it and a lot of the stuff that was there looked like awful good quality that they were importing and so 
So, but it, it, we just got to keep working at it. They're they're uh, big time negotiators, and and they're they're going to go for the cheapest price. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Kevin. And when when you were president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, I know that that the, you emphasized trade and and trade of Minnesota products, but ag trade in general is being so important to the ag economy, correct? That's correct. You know, we said it many years ago in the trade wars. I'll say it again today, and I think we'll probably say it in the future, is once you lose a market, it's really hard to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about that? I It, it, it seems like a, a kind of a daunting task because you, you've almost got to wait for the quote-unquote honeymoon period of this new trade between Brazil and China. And I shouldn't say it's new trade, but it's it's like rekindled trade between Brazil and China. You got to wait for that glow period to end before you can jump back in and get something back, can't you? That makes it really difficult. You know, with yeah. trade, uh, trust is a big part of that. And and it's hard work, and trade agreements are a lot of hard work. Uh, um, trade uh, trade team negotiation is hard work, but that's something all the farm groups and and really rural Minnesota, rural America needs to worry about. You know, we're fortunate; we grow more than we can use. We've got to have international trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, um, let let's. Uh, Let's talk about some conditions for a little bit here. What do you got going down there, Dennis? How do the ponds look? Well, surprisingly, you know, ponds look pretty decent. Um, you know, I, um, mine's not full, but it's it's not super low. Um, you know, like I said, I was down by the river yesterday. I was actually surprised at how much water was in the river. Okay. It's, it's really low for this time of year, but there is there's still um, a fair amount of um, you know, water coming down the Skunk River, but it, you know, it is definitely way too low for this time of year. Um, you know, tiles are running a little bit, but not very much at all. Um, I just heard a, a climatologist on the radio talking about it, um, you know, how dry it is in Iowa. He said that, that you know, this spring we could use 100 to 150% of, of normal rainfall this spring to um, and, uh, or sorry, he said, he said 150 to 200% of normal rainfall this spring to try to get us back to somewhat yeah. normal ground conditions. And man, that really kind of hit. I was, you know, I know we're dry. I just hadn't really thought about it, but, uh, you know, 150, 50 to 100% more rain than what we normally get. That's a lot. So yeah, we're, we're pretty dry. Yeah. What's your attitude going into the, into the planting season? You feeling pretty good about it the the year ahead or what's what's in your mind yeah you know um you know crop prices are are kind of weighing on you a little bit and you know the prices went down and we bought all the inputs and none of them were cheap and um you know so that's that's kind of a concern just of you know this but it is the time of the year where we just got to have some positive news and we haven't had a lot of positive news in the market to make it do much mm-hmm. of anything, like you said. So, um, but you know, conditions, conditions look good out in the field. And, um, I was at the local co-op yesterday and they had a farmer call and said, you know, next week he might want to try to put on some anhydrous. So, mm-hmm. and I drove around out in the field and I mean, 
other than, you know, along some tree lines and stuff where the ground's been in the shade, there's, there's zero frost in the ground and the ground's dry on top. So, you know, conditions are probably going to be good as far as, you know, um, doing some tillage and doing some, you know, planting, you know, in a, in a couple months, but, um, but, you know, try just try to keep a positive attitude and just try to take advantage of any kind of uptick in the market that we get. Um, cause I think it's going to be few and far between. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. What about you, Kevin? How do things look up your way? You know, I describe our conditions, uh, you know, very much the same, um, as we heard, uh, you know, no snow cover when you're going to need some of that recharge, uh, you know, levels are certainly down in the in the lakes and the rivers, but uh, we're going to need some we're going to need some moisture to, to get this crop through the season. Yeah, again, what same question? What's your attitude? What what's on your mind as as we get ready for this 2024 season? Well, I think right now what we're hearing most is just prices. You know, risk management is so important. Uh, to, to farmers as we look at those tools and we're in that time of year where we're setting the price for, for crop insurance and, uh, you know, really not the time to be making contract lows in the corn market. No, certainly isn't. Uh, this is kind of a reversal of what we had gotten used to. I believe it was 14 out of the last 20 years. Uh, February had been a price positive month for corn and soybeans as that spring price for crop insurance purposes was being established. And uh, this is uh, uh, quite a different scenario that we've got going. You know, it's the 21st of February. I'd normally say, and you really can't change the average much from where we're at right now with just one week left to go. But if this corn market's going to decide to lose seven or eight cents a day, like it, like it is today, good grief. Yes, we can change that average there is no question about that um so let, let's go ahead and get started on this kevin you're up at the state house today up in minnesota what uh what what you got going on up there well as a as a county commissioner we've got all the county commissioners from across the state up at our legislative conference and gotcha. in meeting with our elected officials here at the state house uh attending some hearings, uh, probably the biggest news for agriculture today, our environment committee um, is hearing a couple of bills, and this will be the first time where we're looking at regulation of uh, private drainage tile, where we're going to have to disclose notification of uh, any new or modified tile installations. And our concern is there's really been no stakeholder discussion, really no reason or purpose for the collection of this data but yet we're seeing a move to uh, where you have to disclose the status and location uh, of your tile. So who is starting that? Well, this is coming primarily from the environmental groups. You know, they're concerned about the cumulative impact, whether it's the amount, the velocity, uh, the erosive potential, um, and they just feel that it, it's an opportunity for those downstream to understand what we're doing upstream and those decisions. So it's the environmental groups um, that have got some real concern and want to regulate uh, not only the, the, the drainage system of uh, the county drainage system, but also now private drainage tile. 
Are they asking for the same thing about new concrete that's been poured? Well, you know, we're we're seeing that as we uh, as we look at uh, more and more people want to get involved in, in agriculture and what we do on a daily basis. Daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if that would fly. Hey, boy, that oh, I oh, wow. Okay, we're gonna have to continue this conversation. Talking, uh, we've got the Farmer Forum. Dennis Bogarts from Iowa. Kevin Papp from Minnesota. Kevin's up at the State House. He's open, kind of in my mind, a can of worms about drainage tile. Uh, we'll get Dennis's take on that. And guys, let's try to be a little optimistic as we wrap things up. What are you looking forward to in 2024? To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to the Farmer Forum here on AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us. We've got Dennis Bogards from Iowa, Kevin Papp from Minnesota. And Kevin is up at the State House in Minnesota today doing some work up there. He's a county commissioner. And uh, the 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 item that you kind of dropped on us there was about the status of existing drainage tiles out there and any modification that is done. I'm telling you, Kevin, I'm getting some texts. I'm getting emails. I'm getting a what in the world is going on with this coming in. How big of a deal is this? It always kind of makes you wonder, what is Minnesota thinking? Um, you know, water is important to all of us, you know, whether it's water quality, water quantity. Um, we, you know, as a fourth generation farmer, you, you know, it's all about keeping things on your land and being able to grow crops to feed the world. And we're just getting more and more people disconnected from agriculture, um, wanting to be involved. We're losing representation at the state house and, and, and things like that, and there's just some real concern about what those downstream uh, um, things that, that could happen, and mm-hmm. more people want to get involved, and the way they like to get involved is through additional regulation, disclosure, notifications, yeah. um, you know, putting, uh, um, you know, disclosure fees on this to help uh, pay for that, uh, 
we've got some real concerns up here, but we're going to continue to to work together and make sure that we have transparency. You know, anything we can do for yeah. earlier, easier public notice is important yeah. as we do projects. But but drainage is critical to our our economic uh, status of the state. Yep, yep. Dennis, a lot of this has got to sound familiar to you with with what Iowa has gone through with the uh, with, with the the drainage system in the in the state. Yeah, yeah. Actually, him and I were just talking about it on the break a little yeah. bit. Uh, just about you know we don't deal with that a ton in Iowa, but you know a few years ago we had that with the Des Moines Waterworks and that yeah. fight, and and you know it was a real concern for a little while and. Um, you know, and, you know, we live here, we don't, you know, we, we pay for the nitrogen and we pay for the, all the fertilizer and we don't want that stuff going down the, um, any, you know, going down the tile or anything more than anybody else does. You know, we, we're, it's not like we we want, you know, to be polluters. It's, it's part of it. We're, we're spreading fertilizer and that kind of thing. And so, it, you know, it just, it, it's just a, what it's going to do to the food industry if if some of these regulations continue is, oh, and my. and the livestock industry is just going to be um, well, devastating to the price of food out there. So, well, look at Europe, it's, it's right? Not, look, look at some of the protests yeah. that are happening in Europe because of the the regulations that are being mandated over there. That they're, they're not putting up with it. Yeah, yeah, and and you know you you look at that and you think, wow, it's you know. Are, are we as farmers in America willing to stand up like this um, if stuff start, starts coming down the pike like like that is there? So, yeah. you know, you just you just got to wonder. But we just we got to keep fighting and and keep working to tell our story and what we're doing. So. Right. Right. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's see if you guys were up to the challenge. I said I wanted to end the show on an up note and uh, get something optimistic from you guys. Kevin, what do you got? You know, that's a really easy question. What are we looking forward to? Um, it's one word, it's spring. I don't know a, a yeah. single farmer that uh, isn't excited about spring, whether you're a 60-some-year-old farmer putting in your 43rd crop or having that sixth generation, that four- and two-year-old uh, down the road uh, getting back out in the field, baseball. Spring just brings a lot of fun things to do. You know, uh, 43rd crop and a sixth generation sounds like uh... – you might be talking from some personal experience there. Absolutely. It's great to have them a half a mile down the road. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. What about you, Dennis? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm in the same boat this time of year. It's it's always looking forward to spring and getting equipment out and getting back in, you know, in a tractor and, and planting, planting corn and soybeans. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of my favorite thing to do is, is sit in the planter and plant and, um, you know, next, next to sitting in the combine and, and seeing, you know, the, seeing your rewards for the, all the work for the year. But, you know, it's just kind of a renewal this time of year. And, um, this weather kind of makes you a little antsy to want to do something. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, that, that's probably the, the most positive thing. You know, you just, we we're pretty optimistic as farmers for the most part. And, just getting out there and trying to grow a crop and do the best job that we can. So, yeah. Yeah. The actual work, the more I talk with farmers, the more I believe. And I've talked with a lot of farmers over the last uh, 36 years. 
the more I believe the actual work of farming is kind of an escape. It's the extra stuff that that happens around that can create the anxiety. Uh, but getting the job done is is what you guys look forward to the most. And you got a big job coming up again this spring, but it's that time that you're sitting in the tractor. What what thoughts do you think are going to be occupying your mind, Dennis? Oh, you know, I mean, you know, obviously, like, like we talked about, weather, weather, and and prices are always a yeah. concern, and and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, not a lot we can do about either one of those things at this point. Yeah. So, I try not to try not to focus too much on it, and try to try to look at it more as a, um, you know, just trying to trying to grow a good crop and doing the best job we can so yep yep very good all right you guys great conversation today kevin you gave me something to keep my eye on up there in minnesota that's for sure brother thank you so much we'll talk to you later have a great day all right dennis thanks buddy we'll talk to you later as well thanks a lot chip all right dennis bogards in iowa Kevin Papp in Minnesota on this week's Farmer Forum. All right. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. The cotton market's been on fire. We're going to talk about that with Darren Hudson from Texas Tech. And tomorrow morning, Ethan Lane from NCBA right here on AgriTalk.